You are listening to a live broadcast from Faith Worship Center in Portia, Arkansas. 2 Samuel, if you want to turn there with me, 2 Samuel chapter number 11. I'm going to read a little more than what usual, but uh, it won't take me too long either. 2 Samuel chapter 11, and we'll start reading in verse number 6, and we'll quit when we're done. The Bible says, And David went to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah the Hittite. Or David, let me back up. Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah was come unto him, David demanded of him how Joab did, and how the people did, and how the war prospered. David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. And David and Uriah departed out of the king's house, and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all of the servants of his lord and went not down to his house. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down to his house, David said unto Uriah, Camest, not, camest thou not from your journey? Why did you not go down to your house? And Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in open fields. Shall I then go into my house and eat to drink and to lie with my wife as you live and as your soul liveth? I will not do this thing. And David said to Uriah, tarry ye here today also and tomorrow and I will let you depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and, the, and tomorrow. And when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him and he made him drunk. And that evening he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but he went not down to his house. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set ye Uriah at the forefront of the hottest battle and retrieve ye from him that he may be smitten and die. And it came to pass when Joab observed the city that he assigned Uriah into the place where he knew that valiant men were and the men of the city went out and fought with Joab, and there fell some of the people of the servants of David, and Uriah the Hittite died also. And I want to stop right there. It's kind of a different message for me this morning, but a message that from time to time I have come back to waiting for the Lord to, to give me the okay, and I feel this morning is the right timing to minister this message. I want to say this. And, and then we'll get right into the Word. I'm your pastor, so some of you, I know that you're struggling. I know that you're going through things. I never cater a message because of what you're going through. I'm always, and I'm not asking you to believe that, but try to be mindful of the Lord in regards to what would the Lord want me to preach or teach that morning. And I feel I would be wrong if I went anywhere else. I'm going to be a little straight this morning. I'm going to be a little bold this morning, but there's a time for that. But don't mistake my emotion for anger. I'm not anger. I'm not a pastor that brings condemnation. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to challenge you. And I want to minister in doing that this thought. The, des the determination of Uriah. I don't know if I've ever heard a message on Uriah. But I want to minister this morning the determination of Uriah. Will you bow your head and will you help me pray? Father, I love you this morning, and I thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy and love. 
I thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity, Lord, to be able to minister one more time your already anointed word that's been inspired by the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for every woman, every man, every boy, every girl that's here today, God. And I, I just pray, Lord, that you would prick their heart with this message, Lord, and give us a desire to be determined, Lord, regardless of the situation. Open our ears to hear, hearts to receive, and anoint my lips to deliver your already anointed word. And I'll be very careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. I want to begin this way this morning just by saying that in regards to preaching or teaching, there's nothing more important to preach or teach even to encourage than to continue to lay out the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when I say the foundation of, of, of the gospel, I'm talking about why is proper faith in Christ and what He accomplished on the cross of Calvary to teach that in regards to our daily walk so that we not only are saved, but that we know how to live for God. We got to identify the problem, which was the power of sin that we were all born with. And we've got to also explain what God did about that problem. And we also have to explain how that we access the power over that problem of sin, which is greater than the power, my own willpower. We got to teach this. We got to preach it. Pastor Brian is going to be on some of that tonight. Look, at you, like he said, you can live for God on Sunday, but if you don't know how to walk in the Spirit, when it comes Monday through Saturday, well, it's not really doing us any good. We're kind of living on credit, just trying to make it from Sunday to Sunday. The, the foundation is vital, and the foundation is something that we have to come back to continually. Not just because I need a reminder, but because there are people that comes in and they don't know the foundation. And so uh, you can't live for God without the proper foundation, so uh, we have to be repetitive in regards to that subject. But with the foundation laid in regards to this church, this church understands the foundation. I'm talking about as a whole. This church understands the foundation. They understand that the gospel is a gospel founded upon what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross of Calvary and why our faith must remain in Christ and what He done on the cross of Calvary. I was saved by faith in Christ. I will be changed by faith in Christ. I will walk by faith in Christ and what He did on the cross and I will make it. I will finish because of my faith in Christ and what He accomplished on the cross of Calvary. And so it's something that we as a church, we understand. We understand the fundamentals. We understand justification, sanctification, glorification. We understand walking in the Spirit and, and we got to teach it and preach it because as a believer, listen, you should be maturing in the things of God. You don't need to be a baby on the bottle for all of your Christian life. We need to go from the milk to the meat. So in order to go from the milk to the meat, we've got to be able to withstand some things. 
I didn't have to withstand nothing while I was a baby because I don't even remember it in my mom and dad's arms. They, they, they got it made. They just don't know it. They're carried around. They're fed. They're changed. They're put to bed. They're woke up. They got it made. Look, a babe in Christ, there comes a time there when you are completely nurtured, but and you get a little bit bigger and you start crawling, you start walking, you're going to fall and you're going to have bruised knees and you're going to have problems and you're going to have issues. And what you need to know is that when these times come in my Christian walk, I need to know how to make it and I need to be determined to the point that I'm not going to quit regardless of what comes my way. And if I just preach this morning determination without already having laid out the proper foundation, I want you to think about what I'm about to say. If I just preach to you, you need to be determined without telling you how, then I'm preaching to you law and legalism. I can't preach to you just come out from among them without telling you how. I can't preach to you be holy for God is holy without telling you how. I've heard it all my life. Look, I know what God can do. I know what God is capable of doing. But if you don't tell me how to let him do it in my life it does me no good I can give a mechanic a new tool that will make their job easier but if they don't know how to work it it'll sit on the bench it's worthless it's not going to benefit them none and if you don't know how to live for God and the majority of the church has missed this if you don't know how to walk in the spirit if you don't know how to not fulfill the lust of the flesh if you don't know how to let grace flow in your life you will never understand the more abundant life and the joy of living for Christ You'll never understand it. I lived for God a lot of long years and I was miserably saved. I love God. I just didn't know how to live for Him. I was wanting to please God and I was in Romans 7 where the Apostle Paul said, what I'm wanting to do is not what I'm doing and what I'm not wanting to do, that's what I'm doing. You ever done something and you're thinking, why in the world did I just do that? That's not even me. Paul was there, and I was there, and I experienced that. And if I just tell you what to do without telling you how to let God work it and develop it in your heart, then we revert back to law and legalism, and law and legalism, listen, you need to be careful what you hear. I know sometimes it's just innocent. Well, you know, it makes some good points. Every time you're listening to law or legalism, you are strengthening the sin nature. You're strengthening. Look, the strength of sin is the law. And anytime you listen to somebody that's preaching and teaching law, or you need to do this, or you need to do this, or another way outside of Christ and what He did, I'll get to my message in a minute, Christ and now what He did on the cross of Calvary, you're not just having a good time. You're not just trying to eat fish and spit out the bones. You are strengthening the sin nature. Because the flesh already wants to go that way anyway. The flesh already wants to do something. When it's not about what I do, it's about what Christ has already done on the cross of Calvary. And if I keep my faith in Him, then it's the Holy Spirit doing something in me that I'm not able to do. Oh, I wish that was my message this morning. And you do too when I get into it. So I'm not just preaching it without laying out the, the foundation. It's not a law, it's not legalism, but the foundation there, the Holy Spirit reveals a lack in the area. I'm not talking about condemnation, but listen, the Holy Spirit will convict us. Anybody besides me and Pastor Brian ever been convicted? 
He will convict. He's not condemning. He's not changing the judgment from not guilty to now you're guilty. He's convicting us because that conviction of the Holy Spirit is my way of knowing what I'm doing is not what I need to be doing. This is wrong. I shouldn't be listening to this. I shouldn't be doing this. And when He convicts me, I say, Lord, forgive me for what I'm doing and change the very desire that's there to go in that direction. God doesn't throw me away. He doesn't discard me. He convicts Convicts to steer me back in the right direction. Amen. Oh, that's good preaching this morning. But I want to challenge you. I want to ask you a, que- a question this morning. How determined are we to pursue Christ first? How determined are you in your life to pursue Christ? Now be careful what I just said. I did not say to pursue church. I'm not downplaying church. I did not say to pursue some other something else. I'm talking about how determined. Where's our determination to pursue Jesus Christ as our King? We talk about things such as the fight of faith. And it is surely a fight. We talk about the fiery trial. Peter even said, Believer, don't think it's a strange thing that the fiery trial has come upon you to try you. It's not a strange thing. In fact, if it's not a strange thing, watch this. It's a common thing. The fiery trial is going to be common. We talk about bearing the burden. Pastor Brian preached on it the other night. But becoming not more than what we can bear because the Lord has made a way of escape that we may be able to bear whatever we are going through. And we can talk about these things and we uh, we, we, we uh, mention them often. We are encouraged by the Scripture that His grace is sufficient. We will shout when we start preaching about greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. We'll get a little bit happy when we read about when the Spirit or when the enemy comes against me like a The Spirit of God will raise up a standard against Him. We will shout. We will say glory. We will get excited. But when we're in the battle, we forget it all. We forget it all. When the battle gets hot, our spiritual stamina seems to leave. Church, I'm I'm trying to just be real with you this morning because I've been here. Our spiritual stamina seems to leave. Here's the process. All of a sudden, we went from shouting about, I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. I can do all things in Christ. We went from shouting about that on Sunday, and then Monday, trial and tribulation, something happens that puts me in a, in a place where I'm not being blessed at the moment, or don't think I'm being blessed. Here's what the enemy does. You know why that you're going through this? Because God don't care about you. That's why. That's the first thing He says. And then in our spirit, we begin to blame God. We went from shouting on Sunday to blaming God on Monday. You don't have to shout. I'm preaching good. We're blaming God. We're wondering why in the world am I having to go through this? Because we are at a place where we're easily moved. We forget uh, about all of the text and forget about everything that we said glory about. And then all of a sudden, I'm ready to give up and I'm ready to quit. I'm not going to serve God no more because of everything that I'm going through. Oh, I'm preaching good. So I asked you this morning, where's your determination? 
What happened to the determination? If I shout on Sunday and ready to quit on Monday, it's because I'm immature in the Lord and I need to grow in Him a little while. Come on, I told you I was going to be a little straight, so I warned you ahead of time. I need to grow. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. No, I don't know what you're going through. But I know what Jesus went through in order to restore your joy. Where's our determination? The truth is, here's the truth. Serving God or not serving God. Here's, here's something you may not know. I don't want to catch you off guard. Serving God or not serving God. Life has got trials and troubles and tribulations. The difference is serving God when we recognize that the enemy is trying to turn my blame onto God. The Lord is the one that can help me through those things. He's talking to my friend Daniel Webb just yesterday, I believe. And he is in the middle of a trial. Is that okay? I'm going to leave it at that. In the middle of a trial. He said something as we're talking. This is what he said. I don't know how I would make it without the Lord. And I don't know how others make it without the Lord. And you know what? I can only say amen. I don't know how others make it without the Lord. Let me tell you how they do make it, and I don't know why. If they don't have Jesus, they're going to turn to something. Because at some point, life is going to become too heavy and too hard. You will turn to something. Life is going to turn you to something. And there's nothing that you can turn to outside of Jesus Christ that you won't look back and regret ever turning to it can turn to the beggarly elements of the world. Turn to alcohol and see where you wind up. Turn to drugs and see where it takes you. It'll take you to a place where you'll look back and think, what in the world have I done? But listen, uh, if you turn to Jesus, uh, you will look back and say, I've made it by the grace of God and I'm still here today. I've said it before, but I want to say it again and I'll get it in my text, I promise. Sooner or later, giving up or quitting for the believer. Listen, believer. It's got to be taken off the table. Why is it left as an option? Why is it left as an option? Things don't go my way if I, my prayer's not answered. If this don't happen or that don't happen, well, I'm just going to give up and I'm just going to quit. May will be 17 years that I have had the honor to serve as pastor. What I'm about to say, I don't mean it in an unkind way or a bad way. People has come to church just a few times and they've come and said, I'm going to make that my home church and just went on and on. Can I visit with you later? And told me, you know, that God's laid this on my heart and, and this and that. And all. I'm just, I'm behind you 100% and, and everything and go on and on and, and all about it. And you know, the first time that they don't get to sing because the service, look, I'm not trying to be unkind, because the service moved in a different way and the power of the Holy Spirit began to move and we just couldn't make time for it. Well, you forgot me, and because of that, I just don't know how important that I am. Look, you wasn't coming to this church to serve God and to grow in God. You were coming to be seen. And if you're coming to be seen, that's not why we're here. We're here to let the power of God move and meet the needs of His people. Quitting is always on the table. But as believers, we got to sometime take the, take the, the, to completely take quitting and giving up all off of the, of the table. I want to turn your attention to Uriah because I'm going to run out of time if I don't. 
He's mostly overlooked. He's mentioned because he was the husband of Bathsheba whom David had an affair with. But that's as far as our knowledge usually goes about this man, Uriah the Hittite. Uriah is a good example of the believer today in a few different ways. First of all, I want to tell you this. Uriah was serving the people, the the king of Israel, and he was serving in the camp of Israel, but he was not an Israelite. Uriah was a Hittite. He was not of the camp. He was not of the people of Israel. For him to uh, have an opportunity to eat at the king's table was a blessing. And it was made possible because the king overlooked his bloodline. He overlooked where he came from. He overlooked his lineage. uh, And he looked at the desire that Uriah had to serve his people and to serve their cause. And he became a mighty man of David, a valiant warrior, all because his heart was in his servant is king and David brought him in just as if he was one of them this is the first example of why Uriah is a good example of us all of us were like Uriah the Hittite we were not born a son or a daughter of God we were born under the bondage of sin we were a stranger we were a foreigner to the family of God but by the spirit of adoption God said if you'll believe upon my son I'll bring you you in. I'll give you an inheritance. I will set you at the king's table. A son and a daughter of the Most High God. I said that to say this this morning and I don't mean it disrespectful. I don't care. I do not care who you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how far that sin has taken you. The truth of the matter is if you will believe upon Jesus Christ, you too will have a seat at the king's table. Doesn't make any difference. Anybody and everybody can be saved and made free by faith in Christ and what He's done on the cross of Calvary. To look at your life, watch this. You would think it's unfair. You would think Uriah got what he didn't deserve. You would think that Uriah betrayed. Has anybody else in here this morning had things happen to them in life and you thought that's just unfair? I didn't deserve that. I've been betrayed. Amen? Come on, it's all right this morning. I've been betrayed. I should have never, this should have never happened to me. I've done nothing to bring this on myself. And Uriah had felt all of these things and he'd been through all of these things. But when we read of Uriah, if you begin to turn your focus on the fact that he was determined and he refused to quit, we don't think about the undeserving part. We don't think about the betrayal part. We think about how great his desire was to serve. And you know what? It should be the same with each and every one of us. Whether you like it or whether you don't, somebody is watching you. And if they know about your life, they know the things that has happened, some of the things, they know that you got what you didn't deserve. They know that you've been through a trial that maybe you should have never been through. When they look at you they shouldn't see somebody that's down in the dumps uh, ready to quit. They ought to see somebody that is determined to hold on to the things of Christ. They ought to see determination. Number one, above all, not a quitter. Not out. Not done. But I'm here to serve the Lord during the times when the fight when the fight really gets heated, when the time when our trial really gets hard, 
It's then when you, listen, God already knows, but in those moments is when you will find out who you really are. Is my heart in it or am I just going through the actions? Am I committed? Am I dedicated? Or am I just going through the actions? Now, David, I'm going to get to my text, I promise. David was not acting as king at this moment toward Uriah, which will never be the case of Christ. There will never be a time that he doesn't, that he will cease to be in charge and will cease to be God. But Uriah was serving him as king. After the affair, there was the attempt to cover up. His sin takes you further. Stay with me just a few more minutes. I promise I'm going to get to my text. After the affair was the attempt to cover up everything that David had done because David was ashamed of what he had done. Now, some things that I want you to see here and be attentive to the life of Uriah is David sends him home with the intent to cover his sin. He told him this, Uriah, go home and wash your feet. Symbolic to this, Uriah, I want you to take some time off. Before you go in your house, wash your feet. You're clean now from anything that you that had been done on the battlefield. Go into your home. And being in his home, he knew that he would lie with his wife. Now watch this. Wash your feet. Take some time off from serving and just be with your family. And Uriah, when he walked out of David's bedroom or out of his house, he refused. He didn't go home. He didn't wash his feet. But he slept at the door of David's house as a guard. He wasn't about to leave because the servants of God, the servants of Israel, were still in the heat of the battle. So he refused to quit fighting. Let me say it like this. He refused to quit fighting the great fight of faith because now was the time like never before that Uriah needed to be in the fight of faith. I've had people tell me, oh, I've got so much going on. I got this. I got that. I got this. I just need a break and I just need to get away from here. Yeah, I know everybody needs a break, but you need to be careful because if there's a lot going on and things are consumed, me and Sister Becky's talked about it before. Oh, we just need a break. I said, I can't leave right now. There's a lot going on. There's this. There's that. I got this call. I got that uh, going on everything else I said I don't need to take a break right now I need my head and my heart in the battle after the ground after the dust settles then we'll take a break everybody oh I got to get out of here I got to get a break be careful you don't want to take a break when you need to be in the heat of the battle Uriah refused I'll sleep at your door and he stayed there and when David came out the next morning he found Uriah there he says I'm paraphrasing what are you doing here well I slept at your door you go to your house? No, I didn't go to my house. Why didn't you go down there to your wife? Why didn't I go to my wife? He looks at his king, and these are some things that he brought up. We'll bring up the text because I want you to see it. It's in verse number 11. These are some things that he brought up. Number, I tell you what, instead of going to that text, go ahead and go to my first one there if you don't care, Miss Abby. Here's some things that he brought up about why Uriah refused. First of all, he said, Uriah, or Uriah said, David the ark. What does that mean? Now, keep in mind, the scripture's not here by accident, but it's there for our inspiration. It's there for us to gleam off of. The first thing that came to Uriah's mind when he looked at David is he said, about the ark, which meant what? It meant the presence of God. 
That symbolized the presence of God. This is what was in Uriah's heart, and this was what was most important. He said, David, what about the ark? Or in other words, David, what about the presence of God? The presence of God is reason enough for me to stay right here at the door and continuing to fight the great fight of faith. I'm not going to leave and jeopardize the presence of the Lord. Uh, I want to ask you this morning, believer, is the presence of God still valuable to you? Uh, it's in the presence of the Lord uh, that bondages are broken, uh, where the sinner is drawn to a place of repentance, uh, where needs are met. Uh, it's in the presence of the Lord that the supernatural is happening uh, upon the hearts and lives of those that will entertain His presence. I want to know this morning, is the presence of God still valuable to you? Is it still valuable? Can I get just a little deeper? You got to love me to go to heaven. Do you entertain the presence of God at home? Do you get in His presence at home? Do you call out to Him when you're not at church? Do you, it's one of the things that bulls up in our heart and, you know, I don't have anything to do. Hey, you know what? I just like to go get in a room and get in the presence of the Lord for a little while. Is this a thought that we have? I just want to ask you this morning, is the presence of God still valuable for you? Because it was most valuable to Uriah. He refused to go home. And let me go back and say this, uh, to go home would to be with his family. I know there's some that's going to throw stones this morning. I know they stoned Stephen in the Bible. We're not going to do that this morning. This Stephen will throw them back. So I want you to understand, he's saying this, uh, the presence of God is even more valuable than family time. Oh. More valuable than family time. You want to talk about family time? You need to have family time. God's a family man. He constructed the family. But you want to talk about family time? Moms and dads? I know somebody's going to throw a stone. Bring your children up to an altar and watch the presence of the Lord move upon them. Let them fall in love with Jesus. <laughs> oh, I'm preaching good. Let them fall in love with Jesus. You watch as one of these little kids that's about this tall. I, I'm picking on him. He ain't here, so I won't embarrass him. But Sister Becky was holding little Knox, uh, 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 Lauren and, and Damon's son. Little Knox was holding him at one time at a prayer line, and, and he's just looking at her. What are you doing? He said, "What? What? Well, more like, what are you doing? That's what. That's more like it. And she said, well, I'm praying for people. I'm praying for this one. I'm praying for that one. She said she just kept on while she's holding him in her arm, and all of a sudden she looked up, and Knox is like this right here with his eyes closed, his head bowed, and he's praying also. Listen, uh, you want to talk about family time? Uh, look back. Lane told us about Cole. He looked back in the back of the truck, and Cole's got his hands up, raising the Lord. You want to talk about family time? Uh, get your family in the presence of the Lord. The ark, number two. He said this. What David, what about Israel? What's that mean? What does that mean? Well, Israel here stood for this. It stood for God's people and the future of the church. I told you I was going to try to hurry. It might have been a little, little bit of a fib. I mean, I'm trying to hurry, but I don't know how well I'm going to do with that. Israel, 
was the future of the church. It was God's people. It represented God's people and the future of the church. Uriah is saying this, not only is the presence of God valuable valuable to me, but the future of the church is valuable to me. I'm not going to let God's people get annihilated out there in an open field when I could be fighting for them. I'm going to do my part and fight to keep the gospel going, to keep the church going. Uh, Those people would still be saved and blessed and their needs be met. I refuse to give up and to quit fighting when God's people is at stake. Watch this. I want to say something. Are you concerned with your fellow brother? Talking about the people of God, the future of the church. Do you know this morning very likely you could be sitting beside somebody or in front or behind them that is contemplating giving up and quitting? Are you concerned about the future of the church? Are you concerned about the gospel being carried on? Are we bringing up young people and teaching them about uh, teaching and preaching and ministry and the priority of that? Are we concerned about the future of the church? Uriah was a mighty man, blazing the way for the future of the church. That's what he was doing. I'm going to say something this morning. I promise you I'm treading very lightly. I'm, I'm being very careful. I may get a whooping after this one, but I'm being careful. I look out across this congregation. I was telling Jake and Lane last night, I said, you know, the unique thing about our church is we have young people. I mean, young people all the way up. I don't mean this disrespectful, but all the way up to gray heads in our church. We're reaching a, a wide variety of people and uh, because of the presence of the Lord. It's unique. Uh, but I want you to know this morning, I say this respectfully, there's some times, because I've talked to them, that the elder, or uh, I'm going to say it like this, Joy 55 Club, uh, might feel like well, we're not needed. There's not a big of need for me anymore. And I just kind of set back and watch. Look, I like to sit back and watch sometimes too. I like to see these teenagers and these kids come up here and, and pray one for another. But I want to tell you something, Elder. I want to tell you something from the heart of a man that's 42 year old. And I mean it with everything that's within me. I love when these kids pray for me. Uh, but when I look back and there's a gray head that is 70, 80, 60 years old, whatever it may be, that's got their hand up on me and saying, God, I'm praying. His faith does not fail. I'm praying that you would move upon him. I'm praying that you would anoint him. Listen, we need elders that will still pray for the generation and blaze the old path so that we would keep going. I'm asking you, I'm begging you, I would crawl to you and jerk you on the pants leg and tell you this, please don't quit coming to an altar and praying for us that need your prayer. Don't worry about your kids. Don't worry about your grandkids. I told you, I'm treading lightly. I need you. This church needs you. We need your prayer. We need you. We need to know you're concerned about the future of the church because you've been there, done that. Look, I've been through a few things in my life. But now when I look at somebody that's been in this thing a whole lot longer than me and they're still loving Jesus and they're still praying that the church would continue, we got to have it. It's an essential part of a church. Next thing, I'm trying to hurry. The third thing, he says this, Judah, I won't spend as much time. Judah, in regards to Judah, he says, or it means this. Judah is the tribe that Jesus come from. It represents Jesus Christ and his work because it would be through Christ 
that all of salvation would be fulfilled, where the law would be fulfilled and the salvation plan of God would be put in motion, which be available to us. Judah represents the gospel as we know it today. For Uriah to say, what about Judah? He's saying this uh, about Christ. He's saying that salvation one day is going to be complete. Grace is coming. The way of victory, it's coming. Uh, and these things are too valuable to me, to me to lay aside and to let them go. I want to ask you this morning, Faith Worship Center, is the message of Christ and Him crucified still valuable to you this morning? It's still valuable. How many of y'all have I heard stand up and tell how that the message of the cross has changed your life? No longer would there be religion, but we would have a relationship with Christ. I just want to ask you this morning, does it hold any value with you? Does it still have value or is it just something that you've become to hear? And then he says this, what about Joab? Number four, Joab. What does Joab stand for? Who was Joab? He was his leader. He's his leader. David was serving as king, but he was to follow the orders of Joab. Look, David couldn't even get any of the men, including Uriah, to do anything without sending orders to Joab. So Joab here serves as a type of the Holy Spirit. He's a type of the Holy Spirit. And what Uriah is saying here is even though it come from that David told him to go home, look, he was saying, I've not yet heard that from the Holy Spirit. He's not giving me my orders. And until he gives me my orders, I'm going to stay right here and stay in the fight. Listen, believer, you're going to hear a lot of advice from a lot of different people. You're going to get uh, offers. You're going to get this. You're going to get that. I've been told what I need to do, what I don't need to do. I've been told to go here or to go there. I've been told all kinds of things. Let me tell you this morning, uh, your orders need to come from the voice of the Holy Spirit not another man, not another woman, and you don't need to move until he says make a move. And Joab is saying, what's important to me is the voice of the Holy Spirit, and I will not leave until he orders me to leave. But that's what Uriah is saying here about Joab. Too often, God's people are moved. A lot of God's people are looking for a sign today. They're even looking for an open door. A sign or an open door. <clears throat> Look, New Covenant way is God the Holy Spirit wants to talk to you. The devil can open up a door and the devil can give you a sign also. But if you didn't hear the voice of the Lord, it's not God. I don't care how good it looks. He can make it look real good sometimes. <clears throat> but if it wasn't the voice of the Lord, then it wasn't God. So he refused to go home. He said, your servants are in open fields. I will not go back, he's saying this, and I'm paraphrasing, to the luxury of life. I will not retire from the battle when there's still a fight of faith that needs to be done. His witness was important to him. The open fields was a place where all eyes were upon him. Everybody could see. You know, when you're in the middle of a battle, or even when you're not, all the eyes of the world, of those that are around you, they're on you. And Uriah, if Uriah would have left and retired, Brother Richard, this is what it would have said to his fellow brethren. Well, the fight didn't mean a lot to him anyway. I don't want to go to the front line with somebody that is in and out, in and out, in and out. 
If I'm going to go to battle, give me somebody that refuses to quit. And Uriah refused. He said, I will stay. I will not go home. And I'm thankful for those that I can count on that will stay. They will not quit. One of the last things David done, he got him drunk to impair his thinking. But it didn't work. He tried to impair his thinking. Spiritually, if Christ is not a priority in our life, our thinking is wrong. Our thinking is wrong. It needs to be corrected. He's put on the front line. Watch this, and I'm about done. He knew what that meant. Uriah was not a stranger to a battle. When he sent orders, I can't imagine, Uriah delivers his own death warrant. And when it's read back to him, he says, Uriah, you ought to go to the front of the battle right up there next to the wall. I can't imagine what Uriah felt because he knew, Brother Greg, what that meant. He knew that he wasn't coming back alive. So now his determination to serve the king is really under the test. Because here is the question that we got to ask all of ourselves. Uriah was going to have to lay his life down. Have you laid your life down for Christ? Have you laid your life aside for Christ? Uriah heard the news. He turns. He makes his way to the front of the battle. And there I got to believe that he fought his heart out with everything that he had. And he went down fighting. I feel that this morning. He refused to quit fighting. He lived as a fighter. He walked as a fighter. He slept at the door of the king because he slept as a fighter. And he one day would die as a fighter. That was so determined that death would not even deter him from what he's supposed to be doing. He laid his life down because he was that determined. Church, I want to ask you, what happened to our determination? I'll read about him today. And I know that that determination can be ours. If we place our faith in Christ and what He's done on the cross of Calvary and ask God to give me a determined heart. Give me a determined heart and I'm going to quit. But I want to read this. I want her to bring these song lyrics up that we sing a lot of times. I want you to, I want you to think about these lyrics. I'm not going to sing it. Nobody get nervous. And I'm going to quit. Brother Jeff, would you help me? The Magruder sang it and they said this. I sang it. That's horrible English. Good preaching, but horrible English. says, I started out to follow Jesus many years ago. The road was sometimes slippery and my steps were often slow. I met with opposition and I didn't quite know what to do. But I've made up my mind to make it through. Go to the next verse. The years have come and they have gone. The battle has grown old. My mind's made up to win this fight. My faith has not grown cold. The joy of the Lord is still my strength and my confidence is true. And I've made up my mind to make it through. And the Course says this, 
before the first round started, I said, I will fight until I win. I might even get knocked down, but you'll see me get up again. I control the tempo, and I can't afford to lose because I've made up my mind to make it through. Is it just a song? Or have we made up our mind to be determined to finish what we started for the Lord? Would you stand with me this morning? Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm thankful, God, for your grace and for your mercy and for your love. There's no doubt, God, that we are living, God, in perilous times. We're living in troubled times. We're living in a time, God, where the Scripture has rang true. That men would call good evil and they would call evil good. Sin doesn't try to hide. And the attack upon the believer is greater than what it's ever been before. But God, I believe because I look back at men and women of old. I look back and I see them that are more determined than what they've ever been before. And today that you can cause your church to be so determined. The trial may come. The journey may get a little tough. I may have to climb a mountain. I may go through a valley. There may be a lot of things I may have to do, but one thing I won't do, I will not give up and I will not quit because I'm going to make it through. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking for that this morning, for you to give that determination to your people. There's my altar call. My altar call this morning is simply this. It's a good time to take quitting and take giving up off of the table. Take it off of the table and to ask God to give us a determined heart. Lord, we refuse to give up. We refuse to let go. We're going to keep on blazing the path of the old paths for the future of the church if the Lord tarries. That's my altar call. Are you here this morning? Are you here discouraged? Are you here You're thinking about giving up, thinking about quitting because we need to leave with a determined heart? I won't beg you this morning. I know the Lord gave me this message. But if that's you, it's a great time to pray this morning. Go ahead. No, I've not seen a mountain. Oh, God, can I move? No, I've not seen a problem. He won't carry Hallelujah. God, make us determined this morning, Lord. Give us a determined heart, Lord. If you were blessed by this message or you need prayer, please email us at faithworshipcenterar at gmail.com.